You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 56, brought to you by Vessi Seeds. Well, hey, everybody, how's it going? Uh, episode 56, I can't believe we're here, but anyway, it's uh, year three and second episode of this season. And today, I'm going to talk about transplants, but I'm going to come at it from a different angle than what uh, what you might typically hear or what people, how pe- people typically come at it. My experience of transplants every year, right up until uh, the last couple of years, is around this time of year or maybe in April, March or April, you go to the store that sells transplant stuff and you buy a bunch of plastic stuff and you buy some soil and you buy lights and you buy a heating pad and then you go in your house and you hive off some part of your house and you set up all the lights and set up your your grow up operation and uh, you plug everything in and you get the plants growing in there and you get a little fan hooked up to mimic having some wind and uh, you're in there watering every once in a while and then maybe uh, partway through uh, you know, after about uh, three weeks or so all this uh, gross mildew starts to show up on the surface of the soil and then you got to do something about that and, uh, and then your spouse complains that you've taken over the storage room with your uh, transplants <laughs> Uh, and uh, and so on and so on and so forth uh, and then at the end of the year all the uh, plastic things that you grew them in uh, break and you throw all that plastic away and, uh, there's just something about and on top of that all uh, once it's time to move those plants outside you've got this in my opinion horribly tedious process of training those plants to live outdoors because they've been living indoors at room temperature and con- con- controlled conditions for the first couple of months of their life, which from a plant's point of view is a long time, right? <laughs> That's basically uh, childhood and adolescence. So uh, I find it uh, a really aggravating process. And last year I completely stepped out of the whole thing. I said, I'm going to try a different approach. Uh, I got thinking, you know, I watch a lot of content on this, and uh, I was watching a, a YouTube channel called uh, One Yard Revolution. And um, this guy, uh, what's his name again? Patrick, Patrick something. Patrick, something very Irish sounding. Um, Patrick Dolan, that's his name. Um, he's got um, all these elaborate greenhouses and hoop houses and all this stuff in his backyard. And he's in a similar zone. He's in zone five, but uh, he's in Chicago where they get a lot more sun and, and it gets a lot hotter in the summer. He's near Chicago. Um, Anyway, I got looking at all of that and uh, just the difference where he has a permanent greenhouse structure and hoop houses that he sets up every winter. And noticing the difference in, in, those, uh, in the soil conditions inside those structures, I noticed, or at least it seemed to me, that in March inside the hoop house it looked like it was April give or take right and so uh, I don't know about two or three years ago I I built a really slapdash greenhouse in my, in my garden space uh, there's no video of this because it was just an experiment I just slapped it together using cardboard boxes and junk 
cardboard boxes and whatever I could find, uh, bags of leaves as the walls. Anyway, I threw together this really ramshackle uh, type setup um, just to see if things would grow over the winter. And I really wasn't happy with how well things grew over the winter. But I did notice that uh, things started growing in March, right? And I planted some seeds in March and they started growing. And I got thinking, this is, to me, this is way better than uh, messing around with transplants in my house. Because what I noticed was that the things that I seeded in the soil in that uh, really, <laughs> really ramshackle uh, greenhouse, I didn't have to water them nearly as often as you would uh, uh, indoors. Because um, everything was just planted in the ground. It wasn't a raised bed or anything like that. It was, it was just a, an insulated structure that lets light through that was on the ground. The ground never froze in that. Uh, if you came out there at the height of winter, you know, late January, there might be a bit of uh, frost in the morning, but it would always melt off. So it was kind of like the way things are outdoors in April, all winter long. Right? In April, there's lots of mornings you go outside and the ground's a bit frozen here where I live. Um, and then it just heats up and thaws out and you know, things, things go back back to business sort of thing. So I got thinking, man, I should really, you know, I, I just dismantled that thing because it was ugly and it was in the middle of my garden. It was just an experiment. Uh, but I did build uh, some cold frames in my garden. And last year I tried to uh, direct seed stuff in the ground in my cold frames. I, I direct seeded uh, some different greens. And then once the greens were large enough to move um, to the rest of the garden, I planted uh, direct seeded uh, tomatoes. Uh, peppers and eggplant in those and uh, it worked so today I'm going to talk about how how to do that and uh, just if you if you if you have a cold frame I don't know uh, what you use your cold frame for or whatever but if you do have something like that set up in your garden I would say use that space to get things growing I mean even a space also, what, what I realized is just it was in my, in my house. There just isn't a lot of space. We got two kids. We got, you know, I have a wife. <laughs> there's, you argue about space and where this should go and where that should go. And uh, I, the only place I could find in the house to have a a grow setup was uh, in the storage room uh, above where my deep freeze is. And normally, that this the space I had to do that in was probably oh two feet by four feet wide that's the only space in the entire house other than taking over the living room or taking over the kitchen and so on and that's just not going to happen that would that might end the marriage so uh, I had that space but I you know in a, even a small space like that you can grow a lot of transplants and seed trays and I had fluorescent lights and reflective stuff and mylar and you know this huge elaborate setup in there um, but I got thinking boy I could in a, in a two foot by six foot wide cold frame, I can grow way more stuff. And given that I've got three of those, I can grow an incredible amount of stuff. And there's so many other benefits to doing it outside that I'll get into as we go on. So what are the two kinds of setups you can get transplants going in ahead of schedule? Um, there's probably lots of different applications, but I'm just speaking to what I've done. Uh, I've done this in my cold frames, and they're not elaborate cold frames. I mean, they're just a, a two feet by six foot wide box with a transparent lid. 
the wood is uh, 2x6, I believe. Uh, they're about one foot high at the lowest point and a foot and a half high at the highest point. They're built sloping towards the south. And I just plop those on top of the ground and you know, maybe put an inch of nice fine every year around this time of year. Uh, what did I do? When, when I initially built them, I put manure in them. I built them in the fall and I just put horse manure in them and let it sit there all winter. And then uh, when uh, spring rolled around, uh, I, I went in and uh, I just uh, I, I took some of the soil out and ran it through a screen and put it back in. So there was a nice inch deep layer of fine stuff on the top. Uh, I've got some video of me doing that. I actually just filmed something uh, recently that I'm going to be putting up on YouTube of me doing that again uh, in in my garden uh, this 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 uh, this March. Um, so th there will be a video explaining some of the stuff I'm talking about here. But of course, I'm not explaining why I'm doing what I'm doing or or everything about it. I'm just showing the doing of it <laughs> in the video. This time of year, early March, the kinds of to just use a, a simple rule of thumb, the kinds of things that you plant are things that they say on the package, plant as or sow as early as the soil can be worked. Uh, that's the sort of stuff you plant. And you can do this in either a, uh, a cold frame or and another thing you can do it in is a hoop house. I've got a couple of videos on that as well. It's just a domed, and there's different ways you can do the geometry of it all, but I find the dome is quick and easy um, using wire remesh. A hoop house, um, those will thaw. So all the places in my garden right now, it's uh, early March. Um, it's this this uh, podcast will go up on, on Saturday or Sunday this weekend. What will that be, the 3rd or something like that, March 3rd or March 4th? All of the garden beds... And I did this test the other day. I went around and I filmed all this too. So this is going to be up on YouTube at some point. I went around my entire garden with a pointed stick, a pointy stick. And I tried to stick it in the ground all over the garden. And for the most part, the places that I had covered over with hoops, and I, I didn't have the hoops on all winter. I should have, but I, I didn't put them on until about a month ago. Some of them have only been on a couple weeks. Uh... I just, just didn't get around to it. Things got away from me this, this winter, and I'm sure you can all identify with that. Uh, so I should have had all these things covered uh, in December, late December. Right When I was putting the garden down, I should have covered everything that I wanted to jumpstart before the spring. But I didn't, so everything froze up. Uh, so about a month ago, I started repairing my hoop houses and you know preparing other sorts of things and I started covering I don't know maybe one-third of my garden I've got some kind of plastic I don't even know if it's a third maybe it's a quarter uh, I've got some sort of plastic application some sort of transparent uh, setup where the uh, there's a microclimate right that, that's what's happening when you put some sort of even if you put a piece of flat plastic over a garden bed I got some examples of how I do that as well um, and what are you doing? You're, you're allowing the sun to get through to the soil, but you're creating a pocket of air above the surface of the soil that is much, much warmer than the air, the, the ambient air outside, right? Like I was outside uh, in my garden yesterday and it was uh, zero degrees, but when uh, I got a couple of thermometers under my hoop houses just to see, and even uh, fairly early in the morning, it must have been like 10 o'clock-ish, um, you lift the lid up and 
it wasn't even that sunny at that point. The sun did break out yesterday at some point, but uh, it was 20 degrees in there. I mean, you know, that's just incredible. You know, your soil, especially all my garden, all the gardens I put hoop houses on, I mulched them before the winter, so I got that right. Uh, once the soil hits that mulch and it starts heating the air in that little microclimate you've created, the mulch is in contact with the soil, it's going to start breaking down because it's <laughs> inside that dome, it's spring. Right? It's not winter, it's not late February, early March, it's spring. So with that stuff breaking down and all those uh, forms of uh, microbial life working in there, that will generate heat too. Um, and I think I showed this in the video I just filmed the other day where uh, I lifted up one of these domes and I was just, uh, a few of them I, I got um, a tool and I was digging in the ground just to show, look, the ground's soft, I can pick it up in my hands. And I found worms, worms within an inch of the surface of the soil working away, right? So that's what you want to see. And if there's worms up there working, it means other things are working, which means there's heat being created, just like any compost heat, right? And that's any garden that's mulched, and I've talked about this numerous times, any garden that's mulched, it's really a, a compost pile in a sense, right? The, uh, that area along the surface of the soil where the mulch is in contact with the soil, that mulch is perpetually composting and breaking down. And if you've got composting action, you've got heat being generated. So if you can get it warm enough in there for there to be something like that happening, you get even more heat coming off of that. And because you've got some sort of insulated plastic situation in there, it's, it's capturing that heat and just creating more and more effects that are uh, uh, beneficial in that sense. Beneficial in the sense of heating up the soil. All right, so you got that going on. <clears throat> you got some heat, and uh, it's warmer inside your uh, cold frame or hoop house or whatever you got going on. It's warmer in there than outside, and it's warm to an extent where uh, a seed can germinate. Uh, different seeds have different uh, germination temperatures. Some gener uh, some will germinate at 5 degrees Celsius, some will germinate, I'm just throwing numbers out here, but relatively speaking, right? Five, some, some will germinate at 5 degrees uh, Celsius, some will germinate at 10, some need 15, and, and so on and so forth. And um, of course, most seeds have uh, <coughs> ideal germin uh, germination temperatures as well. But this time of year, you're going to be planting things that it would say on the pack, plant as early as soil can be worked. you got to plant a seed that's from a plant where it doesn't mind if its germination process is interrupted by a frost or a cold or a freeze. Because even my cold frames, where if I go out there in the middle of the afternoon on a sunny day, everything's thawed. But if I, if I went out there, uh, I'm recording this at like 7 a.m. right now. <laughs> if I went out there and checked this morning, I would, I would uh, put money on the fact that the ground probably is a bit uh, frosty and there's like a crust on top that's... Uh, a bit frozen, but that'll thaw as soon as the sun hits it or as soon as it warms up a bit outside. As soon as there's any light, as soon as there's light, <laughs> right? Even if it's overcast, if it's zero degrees and there's some kind of light, uh, it's going to get warm in there. It's going to thaw that out. So that's what you've got going on. If you don't have uh, those already established, you could you could build one. Although if you built one, you're not going to be planting in the ground because it's going to take quite a while for the ground to heat up. I mean, what you could do was. Uh, um, you could build a cold frame and use seed trays 
and just put them on top of a piece of styrofoam. You don't want them on the ground because the ground's frozen. It's not gonna, uh, it's not gonna be ideal. It's not gonna get as warm as it could. So I would just have the builder cold frame, put a seed tray or put a piece of styrofoam on the ground, and put a seed tray uh, on top of that and, and go from there. But you're gonna have to water that a lot more. Uh, a real benefit. Uh, let's talk about the benefits of using this approach. Number one, and this is ideal, you're planting in the ground. Think about, and this goes back to permaculture, right? What plant on earth spends the first month of its life in a plastic container and then gets put in, I mean, everything that grows, grows in the ground. They're built, they're, they're adapted to the, that situation. Their, their roots find water and they keep going down and there's, uh, a lot of the roots have various forms of symbiosis with certain kinds of organisms that are in the ground, like mycorrhiza. So the plants want to be in the ground. So why fight that? Why do why why invest all this energy into growing them not in the ground, only to put them in the ground? And speaking to that, why is that also beneficial? Outside of that general philosophical statement, why is that beneficial? Number one, the roots are not going to be pot bound. It's impossible. There's no pot. <laughs> it can't be bound, right? <laughs> They're just going to go where they want to go. And when you want to move that plant out of your cold frame into some other part of your garden, um, you just get under it. You get get a scoop and just scoop under it. And uh, most of those roots are going to come out undamaged. And so that's one benefit. The roots will not be pot bound. And, of course, you don't have to pot up and pot down all this foolishness that people do. There's no need for any of that. It's growing in the ground. It's fine. I mean, you're going to thin. The only thing you have to do is thin out. You plant a bunch of seeds, and as they come in, you thin them out so that you thin them out with the with the mentality that at some point I'm going to have to get uh, a scoop underneath this and pull it out of the ground without pulling out ten other things, right? So you have to space them. Make sure they're spaced in such a way that each one can be pulled out of the ground without damaging the adjacent ones. So I just plant a lot of seeds and then I, I thin them. I just choose the ones that look the best and the brightest and the strongest. Uh, and I thin them in a way that makes them all, oh, I'd say maybe four inches apart, right? If four inches apart, I can get one out without affecting the other. I usually take a knife and I cut uh, like a square around it. And then I scoop up underneath. Uh, so uh, that's one, one benefit. They're not going to be pot down. Another benefit, and again, this goes to planting them in the ground. They're not going to be shocked by being placed in the ground outside. When you grow something indoors, it's been in soil that's well. Number one, it's it's in soil that has is nowhere near similar to the soil in your garden, right? It's in this black stuff you bought at the garden center, and with with little styrofoam balls in it and vermiculite and all this other rubbish, right? That soil is nothing like the soil in your garden, right? And roots need to adapt. It takes them time to adapt. So when you grow them in a cold frame like that, they're growing in the same kind of ground they're going to be growing in when you move them out of the cold frame and into another part of your garden. Because the soil throughout your garden is, is very similar, right? That's number one. Number two, they're not going to be shocked by having their roots put in ground that's colder than the inside of your house. If you're growing a transplant indoors, the soil is always 20 degrees Celsius or 26 degrees Celsius or whatever, especially if you're using a heating pad and all this other sort of stuff, right? If you're doing all of that, the plant 
uh, is adapted to growing at constant stable temperatures. It's not adapted to ranges of temperatures. When you grow them in the ground outside, it goes down, gets cold every night, warms up during the day, gets cold every night, warms up during the day, and the roots are used to that range of extremes. So they're not as shocked. And I guess speaking to that, the actual plant, the foliage above ground, the foliage has been exposed to that range of heat, cold, heat, cold, right? Whereas if they're indoors, they're not. And of course, when they're outside, if it's a nice day, you can lift the lid up and let the wind and air and stuff like that in. Um, so they'll get a bit of exposure to that sort of thing. Another benefit is that uh, if they're uh, outside, they don't have to be hardened off to the sun. Even though they're going under a plastic membrane or glass or whatever, or plexiglass or whatever, Lexan or whatever you're using to cover the, the cold frame or the hoop house or whatever. So even though the sun is, has to go through that, because they're outside and there's no, no roof, when you plant something in your house in a window, and it'll get direct sun when the sun's angle is shining into the window. Um, but it's got a roof over it, right? And, um, and it's not going to get direct sun all day. Not, not like it will if it's outside with just a plastic lid over the top. It's going to get whatever sun there is, it's going to get that sun all day, depending on you know how you have things positioned in, in your garden. In my garden, it's in a sloped or domed uh, uh, cold frame or hoop house with all day sun exposure. So even though it's being filtered through the plastic or filtered through the glass, it's still getting way heavier sun than it would get indoors in, in, a, in a bow window or picture window in a house. And of course, if you're, uh, I don't even have uh, a situation like that in my house. There is no good window in my house to grow indoors. So when I have done transplants, I've grown everything under lights. There's no light that comes close to the sun, right? The sun is the ultimate grow light, right? I mean... Uh, there's just nothing that has that kind of heat and intensity. If you're outside on a cold day, zero degrees, and the sun comes out and it's sunny, uh, it's amazing. Like uh, Even on a day like that, it, it depends on your own physiology, but I find I can take my gloves off and everything. If the sun's on my skin, uh, it's amazing the, the warmth it gives. And so if those transplants are growing outdoors, even though they're not going to grow as quickly as they grow indoors, right? If you got them inside under a grow light and all those artificial conditions, the conditions are ideal for germination and growth, but they're not similar to the conditions that the actual plant's going to be growing in when it goes outside. If you're growing it in a cold frame or a hoop house or some other type of arrangement, the conditions are far more similar to when that plant's actually going to be moved outdoors. It's only a little bit different. So that's another advantage, right? The whole hardening off process is, there is no hardening off process. The day you want to move them, you pluck them out of the ground, you stick them where you're going to stick them, right? You, it's a bit tedious because you can't pluck them all out in one big go. you got to take them one by one. So you get, I, I find my, my quads, <laughs> my calves are sore after doing that because you got to bend down and get one and then go over where it's going to go and stick that in the ground and go back and get the next one. So it's a little bit, but I mean, we're talking an hour every time. Um, that's better than mucking around with them for a week hardening them off. And it's just my opinion. I, I, don't know, I don't know why, but I find that whole hardening off thing, uh, I can't stand it. 
Um, so, so <laughs> lots of people do it, and, and if you're one of those people that do it, more power to you. I don't know why. I can't stand it. I find this so much easier. Um, there's another benefit, talking about ease of growth. So they don't grow quite as fast. Um, well, they do once it gets really warm in there because you're getting real sun all day. But another real advantage of this is that if the soil level in your cold frame or in your hoop house is at or near grade, the water that's in the, in the ground is going to find its way into that growing situation. So you don't need to water them nearly as often. Um, I threw some onion seeds in my garden in the fall just to see if they germinate. And uh, the last couple of weeks I've noticed something coming up that I think is onions. Uh, very embarrassing if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's onions. Uh, I haven't watered those gardens. I haven't watered them at all since like October. But if you put your hand in the soil, it's moist, and it seems to stay moist. And that's because I don't have them in little seed trays. If you try to plant seed trays under the sun, you've got to be out there watering them all the time because they dry out. Uh, unless you got them sitting in some sort of bath. Um, but that can create other issues. Uh, you can get that uh, gross mildew stuff or whatever. There's all kinds of other things that can go wrong. And now, of course, that can burn off. But the sun is not going to, this time of year, is not going to burn off the moisture that's in the ground. Because it's, it's, you've got snow, you've got rain, you've got this sort of stuff going on, at least in this part of the world. It's not a dry place here. Um, so having them in the ground is a huge advantage in terms of uh, keeping them watered. You don't have to run out there every day and water them. Uh, depending on where you are and the conditions and the kind of soil you have, maybe once a week. Uh, I mean, you have to try this yourself. And if anyone else has tried this, I don't know of anyone that actually does this. Um, I know a handful of people I've seen on YouTube starting to do it now, experimenting with it, but I don't know very few few people that do. All the, all the, all the discussion seems to be around transplanting indoors and buying all the accoutrements you need to do that. So uh, for me, if anyone, if, if there's a ridiculous number of people talking about something that's great and all the things you need to buy to do it, I tend to uh, become suspicious. <laughs> right? If, if everybody's saying, hey, you should do this and it's free and it's easy, uh, which almost never seems to be the case, but when someone's saying, do this, it's free, it's easy, and I'm not making any money off telling you to do it, that's the guy I want to listen to. <laughs> so I'm not trying to sell you any outdoor transplanting cold frame systems, uh, you know, <laughs> right? This is all, it's just, to me, it's an easier way to do it, and you don't need any of that other stuff. And the advantage um, in terms of getting the plant, growing the plant under conditions in the cold frame or in the hoop house, that resemble the conditions it's going to be growing under once it's moved out seem to give the plant a huge edge. Uh, I've done experiments. So last year I bought six tomato transplants and I planted them right alongside my cold frame tomato transplants, the ones I'd raised outside. I planted them May 1st, direct seed of them May 1st, which seems awfully late for tomatoes, but they germinated within a week. And by the end of June, I was moving them out of the cold frame into other parts of my garden. So around that time of year, I bought some uh, tomato. I bought six tomato transplants from a garden center, and there was no comparison. The ones that were direct seeded 
way outperform them. Way outperform them. Uh, the, the ones that were in the transplant containers, it took them two weeks just to begin to grow because they had to acclimatize to my soil, my soil conditions, and all that sort of stuff. The shock, right, of being put in the ground. Transplants that are grown in seed trays are shocked by putting in the ground. I have found when you grow your transplant in the ground in a cold frame or a hoop house, they're not shocked by being moved. Maybe they're set back a day and then you just pick right up. Right, because you can take a lot of ground, right? You can you can scoop up underneath them and get almost all the fine root hairs. You can if you're if you're effective in doing this and if they're spaced far enough apart, you can sc scoop that plant up and stick it in somewhere else. And I don't even know if the plant knows it's been moved. Right, because if you can pick up enough ground that you're getting all the root hairs, the entire spread of the root hairs then it really hasn't been moved in a lot of ways, right? The soil it's growing in is with it. And as the roots stretch out from that soil, the soil they're going into is similar to the soil they were in. So there's no like, oh, what the hell's going on? Well, this is all different. I can't comprehend this. There's nothing like that, right? And also they're not shocked by that soil being a dramatically different temperature because you planted them. Like, Let's talk about something like kale, right? You, so you planted your kale March 1st those roots know what it's like to feel zero degrees the foliage knows what it's like to feel zero degrees because it gets cold every night so they're not shocked by that when they're when they're moved out of the cold frame in in late april they're not shocked by the fact that the soil can get cold and that the temperature outside can get cold because they've been experiencing those extremes since the first of march right really if you think about this this is like an example of, uh, in a manner of speaking, it's an example of permaculture. The, the whole idea is to look at nature, see how it works, and copy it. When you think about transplanting indoors with fluorescent lights and potting soil that came from a rainforest somewhere or some other part of the world that was shipped in a truck, <laughs> the most unsustainable thing you could possibly imagine, and, uh, and you've got pieces of styrofoam in there, and you've got uh, a light that's like the sun, a grow light or a fluorescent light, and you've got a heating pad underneath and uh, all these other things you got going, a little fan. Is that like nature? Are you copying nature? <laughs> that couldn't be that. You know, you're copying a laboratory. And, I mean, it's, that's all fine. That's, I'm not saying that's immoral or <laughs> wrong thing to do. That's not what I'm getting at. But if you're, if you're thinking in tune with the, some of the basic principles behind permaculture, it's really not copying nature. Right? Nature isn't like that. Nature isn't 20 degrees all the time, right? And uh, something like uh, if you have an indoor transplant set up, you have the lights on for 12 hours a day. The light doesn't work that way in the real world, right? In, in, in real nature, the sun comes up on one side of the plant. It goes down on the other side of the plant. Uh, it changes its uh, position every day, right? I mean, this time of year, the sun's rising in the uh, the, the southeast. Uh, but, um, sorry, yeah, the southeast. It's rising in the southeast. And, and, you know, sometime in June, it'll be rising due east. And then, uh, you know, at some point in the summer, it's going to be rising in the northeast, actually. So the sun changes its position uh, every day. Uh, the temperature changes 
all day, every day. The intensity of the sun changes throughout the day. It's not the same, right? It's not. If you have a transplant, you click the light on at 6 a.m., you click it off at 6 p.m., or whatever increment of light you're giving it. Some people use more, some people use less, right? But the real sun doesn't work. It's not full sun at dawn and then no sun, right? The sun rises and it sets and there's dawn, there's dusk, there's twilight and all that sort of stuff. So by using the cold frame, you're doing a much better job of copying nature. All you're doing is creating an artificially earlier spring. That's all you're doing. In your cold frame, it's like, let's say it's March, early March now. In your cold frame, it's early April because the soil is thawed. Uh, on certain days, the temperature can get up to 20 inside that little microenvironment there. And the soil temperature can get up to a temperature that's suitable for germination. So in the cold frame, it's, it's spring and it's time to start germinating. And if you get a particularly warm day, and it's raining, you can go out there and lift the lid up and let a little real rain in, which is real, right? So you're copying nature way better. And and you know what happens when you copy nature? The plants say, hey, this is this feels right. This is what I've been evolving to do for eons. So uh, I'm happy here. And there's, there's no big surprises to the plant. There's no shocks to the plant. You get a happy plant, and happy plants mean delicious food. And, of course, as I said earlier, it's, it's just a lot easier. All right, so one last thing I wanted to talk about, and that was because I know there's people that listen to this show that are in different different zones. So whether you're in zone five or zone six or zone four or zone three or whatever, you, you have to adjust your 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 dates and your expectations accordingly, right? I would say as a general rule, whatever you can do in April, you should you can do in March. Whatever you can do in May, you can do in April. Whatever you can do in June, you can do in May and that sort of thing. But that's that's give or take a couple of weeks, depending on. Uh, really depends really on how sunny where you are is, <laughs> right? If you if you live in a really sunny place, uh, you might be able to jumpstart this a little earlier, because it's it's the sun, right? This is sun that's making the heat here. Um, you know, once you, once you get beyond a certain point in February, you start getting those longer days, and you start getting more than six hours of sunlight a day, and that's what you need for things to be growing properly. Um, so that's that's a minimum, I guess, getting beyond that point in February. I can't remember exactly when that date is, but there's a certain date where the days become uh, you get you can get more than six hours of direct sunlight, which is what you're going to want uh, to have any for this to be worth doing. And I don't know how many hours of direct sun that we're getting today. Let me check. So yeah, I just checked online there, and it's uh, about 11 hours between sunrise and sunset right now in this part of the world, the Maritimes. So let's say we take away an hour on either side of that for dawn and dusk. So that's nine hours. So there's probably about nine hours of sun shining on the ground where your cold frame is, give or take. Maybe eight. Let's be really conservative and say there's eight. That's good. Right? So... But if you're living somewhere like I, I am, where it's overcast, uh, you can't cheat that and start early February. I tried it a little bit this year, but it's just there's just not enough uh, light going on. But if you live somewhere um, more desert-like, maybe in Alberta, maybe you, you can bend the rules a little bit. So even though if you're in Alberta, you're not in Zone 6, right? You're in Zone 3 or Zone 4. Um, but 
you get more sun than, than we, we get here because you don't have all these these cloud things <laughs> overhead all the time right uh, in Nova Scotia it's uh, foggy almost if you're near the coast anyway and it's like fog and cloud every morning and then it, it goes away at some point 10 or 11 or 12 or, or depending on the day I mean yeah some days you wake up and it's beautiful and sunny but a lot of days there's this cloud all the time uh, so that even though there's sun, even though there's enough sun overhead in terms of sunset and sunrise, the sun's got to go through a cloud to get to you. So you're not getting the kind of sun you need to make the kind of heat in your cold frame to get things going. Uh, so adjust your expectations uh, accordingly and, and like anything, right? Uh, there's no point in me making some sort of chart and graph uh, because it's going to be unique to where you are and your particular conditions. Uh, I would say just just get out there and try it and see what happens and make notes and next year try something try again and make notes and that's how this thing happens right you just try just get out there and don't try to figure it all out just just muck around and try and see what happens and if it doesn't work and other people say it works then try again <laughs> if you got lots of people saying something works and it uh, can't work for you maybe you just need to keep trying again uh, or maybe it's just not for you. Like lots of people say, uh, transplanting indoors is a great idea. I've tried many times. I hate it. So <laughs> maybe it just doesn't uh, suit my personality. I don't know. It just seems uh, uh, like swimming upstream to me. Whereas uh, doing a transplant in a cold frame, the way I've explained in this episode, and I'm going to be showing in my videos, uh, that seems like you're swimming with, you're going with the grain, right? You're swimming downstream because everything's working with you. Right, the sun's working with you. The, the ranges of temperatures working with you. The soil's working with you. You don't have to water it so often. All that stuff, right? All right. I guess what did I talk about. One thing I forgot to talk about was uh, different kinds of things and when they should go in. I guess I'm not sure if I talked about that earlier or not. Uh, this time of year, early March, depending on where you are, so give or take, you plant those things that that don't mind. Uh, frost and cold, right? You can plant spinach, you can plant kale, you can plant Swiss chard, you can plant lettuce, right? And that's a good thing to plant anyway because you want to get eaten those things right away. And a lot of things you grow in your garden, they, they have to come to maturity to eat. But greens, they don't have to be mature to eat. They have to be large enough to pick. So if you get those going now, you might be, you know, eating lettuce and kale and stuff by sometime in June. You move things along considerably, right? So you plant those things, and then if you plant them now, if you're lucky, you'll be able to take them out of there in, uh, uh, let's say, the end of April, early May, and you can direct seed uh, your heat-loving plants like uh, tomatoes, uh, eggplants, peppers, and things of that nature. Uh, I wouldn't direct seed uh, any sort of squash or cucumber or anything like that. Those plants hate being moved. Um, but... If you've got a hoop house on a garden where actually, you know, not, not in your cold frame, but in a garden where things are actually going to grow permanently, and I did this last year, that's the perfect place to plant your heat-loving uh, plants if you want to get a jump start. So last year I planted my uh, cucumbers and summer squash outdoors May 1st. Normally in this part of the world, if you do that, at least it's been my experience here, uh, the seeds just rot. It's just too cold, too consistently cold, not consistently warm enough. Uh, I did it under the hoop house, worked out fine, right? I got everything early. So that's how you, you know, those sorts of things. plants that hate being moved, 
like a root vegetable, a carrot, parsnip, and all that sort of stuff. Do it under a hoop house, and then just lift the once. Once they get large enough that the hoop house isn't big enough, you just take the hoop off and put it away. All right, so that's the general idea, and uh, I just thought I'd speak to that. I don't know if I did a podcast on this last year on this level, um, on this level of detail. So I thought I'd go into it a little more in depth this year and uh, really speak to it. And I'm going to be doing, I've done, I've done one video on it about a week ago. And uh, I'm going to be doing some more videos just showing you the process of all of that. Uh, and some different little tricks that I do and so on. Because, I mean, I'm growing my stuff in uh, in my cold frames anywhere. Anyway, uh, I threw practically fresh horse manure in them last fall. I thought that would keep them warmer over the winter because, you know, horse manure generates heat. And so uh, when, I, when it came time to plant this uh, spring, I had to take take that stuff out and, and run it through a uh, screen and, and so on and so forth. But I guarantee you there's a million weed seeds in there. So what I did was I, I put uh, heavy uh, brown paper over the surface of the soil and just made holes where I was going to put my seeds in so that whatever weed seeds are in that the idea is that whatever weed seeds are in that manure they're going to hit the paper and they're going to die and little holes I've made where I planted my stuff things are going to grow there and a month and a half from now um, that paper should be broken down enough that it won't really be in the way when I'm trying to pull those transplants out so I've got some videos uh, that I've made and that I'm going to make uh, to show examples of this uh, so stay tuned for all of that um, anyway, I think that just about does it for this week. Um, I hope that gave you some ideas, maybe inspired you to give it a shot this year, give it a try. Uh, I'm not trying to run anybody down that does it the other way. It's not my, my goal here. I'm just uh, speaking from my experience. I wish someone had told me this 10 years ago because <laughs> I would have stopped immediately because I've always found uh, growing transplants indoors a pain. So uh, if you do, if you love it, keep doing it, <laughs> right? Maybe try a, a small-scale uh, example of, of what I'm explaining here because it, it is easier in a lot of ways. You might find that. So that just about does it. I um, want to thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in once again. Uh, maybe give that a try this year and see how it works out and check out some of the videos I'm making uh, where I show examples of that. And uh, until next time, get out there, get at it, and have fun in your garden. Thanks for listening.